So the big question is, how can physical therapists create a successful career earning six figures or more and give patients the care they need without relying on insurance companies for reimbursement? If you want to learn the answers to those questions and more, then you've come to the right place. My name is Dr. Aaron LeBauer, physical therapist, business coach, serial entrepreneur, and author of the Cash PT Blueprint. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, welcome back to the Cash PT Lunch Hour podcast. Um, I'm your host, Aaron LeBauer. If you don't know me, I'm six foot three, I've red hair. And I'm from North Carolina. And today, uh, my special guest is uh, Megan Stinson. She's also from the South, from Tennessee, um, just a short state over, um, but not uh, that close. It's a decently long drive. But anyways, um, we both got plumbing and electricity in the last few weeks. Um, Megan, thank you so much for joining us on the Cash PT Lunch Hour podcast today. Oh, absolutely. I'm glad to be here, Aaron. <laughs> yeah. Um, here, let me do the thing. It's awesome to have you so um, I think that, uh, there's a couple unique things about, um, you and what you've done, um, for the reason I wanted to have you on the show, I think, uh, let's see, I'm going to review them and then I'll ask you some questions, but you used to have an in-network practice. Um, you sold it, shut it down and then was like, it, then things didn't work because what they sold it. And then you're like, I got to get out of this. And now you've started a cash practice with your partner, Caitlin something like that, Correct. right? Yes. Yep, awesome. that's, so, that's about it. That's about it. So let me go back and say, <laughs> that's really kind of cool. When did you graduate PT school? And when you were in PT school, did you know you wanted to own a business or did, did something change along the way? So yeah, I graduated in 2007. Mm -hmm. And um, my ideal situation was business ownership. I'm an entrepreneur by character. Mm -hmm. um, I like to look at the big picture. And I like to have the most reach and impact. So I didn't think there'd be a better way than that than to try to own my own practice to treat patients the way I wanted to. Wow. So going into PT school, had you already owned a business before or family had a business? No. No, not at all. No. <laughs> so Completely you just unprepared. knew. Yeah, you just knew <laughs> yeah. I got to own my own business. What? Where did that come from? Yeah. Um, like I said, I think that... Um, I think part of it just stems from my personality traits. Um, yeah. And I'll be honest with you. I don't like to be told what to do. I mean, that's a, that's a fatal flaw sometimes, <laughs> but you know, um, over the years I've matured and I can take constructive criticism now, which was a problem before, but um, anyway, but I just, um, I knew that the impact I wanted to have was not going to be possible if I was working for someone else. Yeah. Yeah. So. Right on. Was there a time when you noticed that? Like, was it um, in school? Was it before? Yes. At, you know, what was it? Yes. So probably when I was in my clinical rotations in PT school. Now, don't get me wrong. I had an incredible mentor right out of PT school that I worked for. Um, it was a small insurance-based practice attached to a hospital system. Um, but he ran things very differently than the mm -hmm. typical um, PT school rotations that we went through. But after going through some of the larger chains and going through some of the rehab hospitals, I knew I wanted to be different before I graduated. Yeah, right on. What was it that you saw that you didn't like or that you thought you could do differently? So um, I don't like patients to be a number because mm -hmm. I truly love and sincerely care for them and what they do. 
I don't like the feeling and I graduated in animal science. So when I say herding cattle, I actually know what that looks like, but I didn't want that to be patient care for me mm-hmm. or client care for me. I knew there had to be something better and there had to be a better way to do it than that. The other thing that I found, um, and this was in PT school and then owning the insurance in network based practice, um, which I did because I knew that's the only, that's the only way I thought I could do it at the time. Right. If your attention is divided between four or five or six or eight different you know, people on your caseload, you can't give that one-on-one care that they really deserve and they really need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so is it, is it more like, you know, I think the, my first thought was a lot of people are like, Hey, I saw five shoulders today. I'm like, no, you had five people, you know, or people are asking questions. Well, I can't get my, I can't get the patient's knee covered by insurance or we can only treat one body part at a time. I'm like, but the body part exactly. didn't walk in, a person walked in. Right. right. The person walked in. And that's what I tell people now in this practice one of the reasons I love it so much is because when they walk in the door, let's say I get to treat John Smith. Um, I'm not treating his meniscus tear. I'm treating John Smith. Right. And you know, the biomechanics of the whole person is what causes injury or issues or perseverates those problems. And if you don't treat all of it, then the patient may get, you know, a hair better or their meniscus might get better, but things are going to come right back. So they're not going to get the best care. Right. So I agree. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. And so, um, you graduated PT school. Did you open your business right away? So no, I worked for a um, outpatient practice that was attached to a acute care setting in a rural uh-huh. place that had a rehab hospital as well. And so I worked for them for about four years and then had the opportunity to actually purchase a practice in my hometown. Mm. So the first place I worked was about five hours from home for me. And we were looking for right. a way to get back. And um, my mother's a PTA and she had opened a practice with two PTs. Nice. And they were ready to retire, get out of it, do something different. And so my husband and I stepped into that practice, which unfortunately at the time was not doing very well either. And another one of the large chains opened up at the same time. And so the practice was was in pretty bad shape whenever I got there. Yeah. I wasn't smart enough to look at the numbers as well, though. <laughs> I know better now. Right. What, um, what did you do? I mean, so then what happened? You Did you figure out like something uh that made it work or do you got you said you i think you said said you've sold it like tell me a little bit about what happened what was the journey what was the easy part what was the hard part sure so um a lot of people don't understand sometimes when you own a small business in the wrong way you don't really own it it owns you and that's what i found out through that practice fortunately the one we have here is not like that but what we ended up doing was taking a huge risk and I decided, well, we're either going to have to close because I haven't taken a paycheck for myself in two years. I ate all my employees first, didn't let anybody go and decided I'm either going to have to close or we're going to have to expand and take the risk. Somebody really smart one time told me <laughs> that when you move to a new location, people think you know more. Uh-huh. And so <laughs> we did, um, we expanded probably three times our size um, as far as where we were, took out a business loan uh, and a lot of credit. And then um, expanded to the new location, which was huge, did a lot of PR and a lot of marketing. And all of a sudden we started growing and booming. So at our largest, I had about 18 employees. We were a multidisciplinary practice. So we had PT, OT, speech, um, massage therapist, fitness classes, um, you name it. We pretty much had it in this massive location. Yeah. So what was the problem? The problem, (laughs) it was a big problem, yeah. Um, the problem was that I believed that in order to maintain the growth and in order to maintain the business, 
I had to be there constantly and I was the only person that could do it all. I had a really hard time letting go of control to let my staff do their jobs. After eight years of this, I ended up having two strokes because I was working so much. Mm -hmm. I didn't see my kids. Um, I never slept because I would go to work at six in the morning. I would work until six to 8 p.m. I would go home. I would put the kids in bed because my husband did dinner and dishes and laundry. And I would be on my computer doing everything else administratively until two o'clock the next morning. I would sleep for two to four hours and do it all again. Well, and you did that for how many years? Eight years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That face right there. <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> I don't think I work that yeah. much. I work a lot. Oh, I'm telling you, it was awful. It was, I do not recommend zero out of five stars. I mean, poor reviews. Yeah. It's and bad. you didn't get paid. You weren't paying yourself at some point. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Um, it wasn't. Knowing what you know now, do you think you could go back and do it differently or would it end result be the same? I think that there are a lot of things I could change to make my lifestyle better and my work-life balance better. However, um, being constrained by the insurance companies, their restrictions and their limited pay scale, yeah, um, I still think that the man hours and the time would still be huge comparatively yeah. and again I, I still wouldn't have been able to give the, the clients the care i think they needed right because i did i had um three ptas that i supervised constantly i mean those rotated um and i had a couple other pts but i had at least three which was the state max at the time under me so i had four or five people on my schedule they had four or five people on their schedule at the same time and i was keep trying my best to be a good clinician and a responsible pt and so I tried to touch them all, to speak to them all, to have my hands on them all. And Twelve people an hour much. you're trying to manage or something? Jeez. Yeah, plus okay. phone calls, plus getting interrupted by staff, plus email, you know, yeah. all the things. So, okay. So what? Um, what's different now? <laughs> so much, Aaron. It's so wonderful. Um, so now we treat clients one-on-one. -on -one. We schedule 45-minute slots. They're typically here about an hour or so. When I tell the client that I'm going to specifically focus on you and individualize your care, I can say it and I can mean it, and it's the truth. Right. Um, so add that, plus I don't have to have the headache of um, filing the insurance, doing appeals, explaining benefits to the clients. Um, it was a huge issue, and I actually got a phone call yesterday from a client who has been seeing an insurance-based practice. Um, you know, we would take their copay, and then we would submit insurance, and insurance would accept or deny or approve or whatever, and then we would bill the remainder. And the next thing that came through for the insurance, we would have to bill the remainder of that. And so, number one, our accounts receivable was sky high, and the income was low. Um, and number two, the client kept getting bills and they didn't understand why. So with the cash-based system, you know, we, we do have packages that we sell. So when someone asks me how much is it per visit, I say, I don't know until I put my hands on you and I see you and I don't. But they know when they walk out the door exactly how much it's going to cost, exactly how long I think it's going to take to get them better. And if it's more than what a package we offer, I'll tell them that on the front end. You know, I don't want them to, to be surprised. I can be 100% transparent and open with them about all of the financial things. Um, 
which makes me sleep better at the end of the day, mm -hmm. keeps them from getting frustrated later. So you add all of that together. And for the first time in 12 years, I'm picking my kids up from school and going to their sporting events and being the mom that I wanted to be that was driving me crazy when I wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. And even my, my 13 year old's actually in a room back here, but um, you know, he even told me the other day, he was like, mom, promise me you'll never go back to that other way. He was like, I miss the people that were there and I love it. But he said, you were having you home is worth so much more than anything you did there. Yeah. That's amazing. So how, how many kids it is. And the, I've got uh, two boys and then we're working on an adoption. Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah, yep. that's great. And how old are they? And that's the other thing. Um, so <laughs> Daniel is 13 and Ethan is nine. But the other thing I was going to say too, is um, I've always had a heart for adoption, mm -hmm. but I never had time and I didn't have the money. Right. And nobody actually really has the money <laughs> for kids, but um, we're much better suited to do it now. And I have the time to be able to devote to my kids now. And it right. hasn't been possible before. So that's what um, is different now. What did you do to make this change besides like quitting and starting a business? Like what were the three big things that you've changed in the way that you run the business or your marketing or whatever else it is that's made like the biggest difference for you? Okay, good question. So um, for us, I would think um, primarily remembering why we're doing what we're doing mm -hmm. and not getting dragged into the old routine of things. Um, so being really focused on the reason that we chose to do a cash PT practice as opposed to going the insurance route and working to death and all mm -hmm. of the things. So mindset and perspective has had a massive, massive impact on what we're doing. Um, yeah. So that's, I mean, honestly, that's, that's the thing I would say would be first. Um, so we also feel like this is like our mission field. And so we can serve God by serving the people that come to us um, and keeping focused on that helps. But with that um, joining Dr. Aaron LaBauer's platinum mastermind, <laughs> I'll do a shameless plug for that. Um, but that has helped you. You're welcome. Um, but honestly though, the shift and what we've been able to accomplish before that versus now has been huge. Mm -hmm. So number one, um, we do not undervalue our services. And I actually had a client that was in here today who was on our very old rates, which was like $75 a visit. And he came in for me to look at his shoulder today. And so we went through the whole total body diagnostic and I told him what was going on and we went through everything. And so of course he was surprised because the packages are much more significant now. So they're 225 for a single visit now. And so his thing, and he's a, he's a lawyer, he's still dealt with medical things for a long time. He said, how are you going to get people in this area to do that? And I said, well, I said, honestly, it's about priorities and it's about us being able to get them to their end result and not just selling the physical therapy visit. Mm -hmm. So that was a perspective shift for me too. And I think that your, some of your teaching helped with that a lot because there are four other physical therapy practices in this teeny little bitty town, but I get the people that they can't get better because at the end of the day, I'm seeing their big picture. I'm seeing their end result. And so I tell them, I'm like, if you want physical therapy and that's all you want, you can go down the street. I'll give you their names, their numbers, their Google reviews. But if you want to get to your end result, this is where you need to be. And, and so that has changed a lot. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to ask. And then what happened with this patient? Did you say yes? Did you see like, oh, oh yeah. He, he bought a package. We're, <laughs> yeah, we're good. I love it. Um, but he also has been through the mill. He was injured by another PT in town. Mm -hmm. um, and honestly, I mean, it was, it was just because I think they weren't paying attention. 
Yeah. You know, but with 55 million patients in front of you, it's hard. Yeah. Um, the other thing that we have really done differently is, um, again, through some of your training and teaching, we began to read more of the business-minded books like Rocket Fuel um, by Gina Wickman and Mark C. Winters. Um, so with that, it has helped Dr. Voss, Caitlin, and myself to delineate out our tasks and get an organizational structure that helps us both focus on what we're best at and what our skill set is. And then the tasks that don't fall into those, what you call zones of genius, um, we have actually started delineating out and delegating and not taking them back for once in my life. I'll tell you that, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it's been fantastic. That's awesome. Um, but that, yeah, it is. And that allows us to focus on what we're best at, which is growing the business mm -hmm. and evaluating the clients and, you know, I guess being passionate and selling what we're selling here, which right. again is, is not just PT. It's a lifestyle change. It's the end result. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that first call we had, and I recommended that book. Um, yeah, and, it was fantastic. And and it's because people come to me and they're like, "Aaron, um, I've got a business partner. Or should I get a business partner? Should I bring my family member into the business?" And I'm like, "Whoa, take a minute, <laughs> you know, because I've I've done both of these things, and and I've seen people fail with it. It's really important to have." Um, two people that aren't doing the same thing, but they're complementing each other. Um, right. So can you talk a little bit more about the difference between your role and Caitlin's role and how you guys um, have split that up and what you're good at and what she's good at? Yeah, absolutely. So um, with, with that book, basically what it breaks it down is to a visionary and an integrator. You already know this, but just explaining it to the, to the people out there. Um, so they have a list of visionary traits and they have a list of integrator traits and in, in the book, in the process, you take the quiz, all the things, but I didn't have to do that because we already know who was who after reading the first page. <laughs> so, and um, what's funny is anybody who's known me for more than about six months will tell you the same thing. Yeah. Um, so I am the visionary. I am typically more of like the outspoken face of the company. I talk in front of people. Caitlin hates to talk in front of people. She'll do it and she's wonderful at it, mm -hmm. but it's not where she's comfortable. Um, I am very passionate. I have way too many huge ideas that I think we can always accomplish with no resources and, you know, all the things. Um, but I'm convinced that we can take over the world. Right. Okay. That's like, there's no question in my mind we can do it. Um, and I have what they call visionary whiplash, which looking back for my old business, I see so much of that. And I wish I had known about that then. But it's like, oh, here's something shiny. That's a great idea. And it is. And then we're halfway through that idea. And like, oh, there's another idea. Let's chase that one. Oh, wait, here's another idea. Let's chase that one. And at the time, I didn't like I had somebody that was kind of set up as like a second in command, but I did not allow them to have that role very well. Mm -hmm. um, part of that was, was was me. I mean, a lot of that was me. Um, because I would give a task and I would take it back. Oh, that's not the way I want it. It has to be perfect, you know? Um, and you always say 80% is good enough and that's been a good shift for us. Mm -hmm. um, but so I have all of these huge ideas and they're not all fantastic and that's okay. <laughs> but, you know, I can go a million different directions with them. So my weaknesses are staying focused, staying consistent, communicating, um, 
I don't hold people accountable very well because I forget. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I bounce from this thing to this thing and I'm focused on this thing. And I don't even remember what happened three weeks ago over here. So they're not going to be accountable to me. (laughs) You just described my life. (laughs) Right? People are like, you don't remember what you told us to do. I'm like, it's not my job to remember. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I told you to do it. Um, No. Yeah. Well, it's funny because after we started going through some of the stuff, I actually looked at my husband and I said, do you think I have ADHD? (laughs) And he said, do you think you don't? (laughs) I was like, that's fair. So, (laughs) but anyway, so yeah, it's funny. Um, But yeah, but you know, back to the visionary integrator thing. Um, Let's circle back around to that. Let's loop back. Right. Um, Right. Sorry. Well, you know, that's the tangent we can go on. And my next thought was like, you know, well, we just got schools in our neighborhood too, you know, and I, you know, they didn't know what to do with me on, with the blackboard. So, you know. <laughs> no, and I'll tell you, yeah, I get it. I get it. It's funny. Yeah. Um, so back to, back on track. So that's the visionary, let's, like, right. Let's yeah. talk about what's the, so what's the, the integrator and what does Caitlin do for you guys in your business? Right. So Caitlin is a very cool, calm presence of consistency for us. So I am up and down. You can tell when I'm talk. I'm animated. I'm all over the place. Um, Caitlin stays here mm-hmm. all the time. You know, she gets excited. She's passionate too, but it's a different kind of passionate. Um, so integrator strengths are leading other people as far as um, giving tasks, holding them accountable. She remembers everything or writes it down. I have no good organizational system. That's just not how my brain works. Um, if I don't write it down, it's gone. I'll be honest with you. But she is really, really good at organizing everything. Um, she is incredible, incredible, incredible communicating between like the people that we have hired, keeping us on task for that. Um, she'll say, oh, yeah, did you remember two weeks ago we wanted to discuss? And I'm like, that's what I have you for. <laughs> I, I know. I need someone that's like your <laughs> Hey, she's incredible. I'm going to borrow that right now. <laughs> you can, yeah. Depends on how much you're going to pay her and how much that's going to come back to the business. <laughs> no, but um, the other thing that's really, really good about her is um, she's really, really good at sifting through all of my big ideas mm-hmm. and picking out the better ones or the best ones. Right. And keeping me focused on that one goal. So I'll be like, okay, I think we need to try to do this. And she's like, okay. And then like two weeks later, I'm like, hey, why don't we do this? She's like, Megan, now we talked about this. Let's finish this first. I'm like, oh, okay, fine. And so it's like, <laughs> it's unfortunately, I love her to death. She's like my mom here. Um, right. But it's funny because we actually say that I'm like the female version of her husband and she's the female version of my husband. So it works out really funny, but it, it works well. Um, the other thing is the difference between the visionary and the integrator is the visionary kind of sees more of where the company is going to go, but the integrator is able to see how it can get there. So they're more detail oriented. They see things in step processes. I just see, look, there's a big, huge thing that nobody says we can attain. Let's go there. And she's like, okay, well, instead of trying to walk through the lava, how about we map it out so it's more efficient and we actually get there? Okay. That sounds great. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, but it's, it's been beautiful. Yeah, and you're I really lucky. Say, 
<laughs> oh, I know. I'm I'm not lucky, honey. I'm blessed. And she, you know, she feels the same way. She never wanted to own a business. Mm-hmm. That was not where she was. Um, so this is outside of her comfort zone, but I've seen her bloom and blossom and mature so beautifully in this. Like it's incredible just to watch her mindset shift too. Yeah. Um, but one of the other things that that I always say, and this is poor, my poor husband too, because he has to deal with me. Um, but she is the perfect like woe to my go. And I'm the go to her woe. Mm-hmm. So if it were up to me, we would be going full steam all the time. But it doesn't necessarily mean we would meet our goals. Right. Um, so just because you're doing a lot doesn't mean you're getting a lot done. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard that quote? So right. that's kind of my brain. Um, but if it were up to her, sometimes we would sit and ponder something for a very long time and never implement or take action. Right. And so it's just a beautiful, like, balance of the two personalities that makes it work. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's where I was like before the podcast, it took me a while because I was in integrator mode because I got to be my own integrator sometimes. And I was trying to get through all the things rather than just talking on podcasts and recording videos and coming up with fun ideas. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and I think the the point is, is like, you know, I don't have like that perfect match, but I remember reading the book. It was like, there's a small segment of the population that are visionaries, an even smaller segment that are like the integrators to match you. And um, exactly, it's really lucky and you found her. <laughs> That's what I mean. It, it it's is. Like, it's amazing. It's, um, you're blessed. I mean, it actually, I am like and blessed, lucky, whatever. It's all of it. Yeah. Um, but again, that's what makes us know that, again, this is like our mission field too, because mm-hmm. God put us together perfectly. Yeah. But I actually hired her back in 2016 in my old practice. So we've been together working since 2016. And what was interesting is looking back on that time now, like she would come to me as my employee and say, Megan, mm-hmm. why don't you go into this room and breathe a minute and let's talk about it. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know. So it was funny because it, it worked then. And my husband told me for years, if you and Caitlin opened a practice together, yeah. you'd be amazing. It would be awesome. Um, and that's not to say that she doesn't have visionary characteristics too, because she does. Right. Some of them were kind of deep down in there. Um, and I have integrator characteristics because I had to, mm-hmm. because I did everything before. Um, but those aren't where our personalities or characteristics really thrive and, and work well. So yeah. it's yeah, been that's, amazing. That's really awesome. I'll pray for you that you can find that person. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Part of it's like finding it, waiting, going, okay, do I need to, fo- you know, where do I focus my time? And it is, it's like, it's someone I've been looking for for a few years and I found pieces in different places. Sure. But it's not Absolutely. like that. That was it. Uh, I can't remember who, who was that what Ray Kroc uh, had because you don't ever know the guy's name or Lee Iacocca. You don't ever know the person's name, you know, because they're well, not yes, in the spotlight, yes. you know? Well, and that's the other thing too, that with the visionary and integrator. So the integrator has so many beautiful traits and strengths and all mm. of the things but they're typically like the unsung heroes of the right. practice or of the company. So you got Walt and Roy Disney, right? It's the same thing. Who's Roy Disney. Well, that was Walt's brother. That was his integrator, right. <laughs> you know, exactly. but nobody knows that name. Um, no. <laughs> but yeah. So, and it's amazing because we didn't even know what this relationship was until we read that book. Yeah. And um, it's been really neat because we were both still trying to kind of do everything but mm-hmm. together and being respectful of each other's space and decisions and time and all the things. Um, but once we read this book, we were able to actually break it down and change it so that it works to our advantage right. instead of trying to kind of not necessarily step on each other's toes, but kind of running in circles and behind yeah. or in front of each other. That's awesome. So, yeah. So I got to 
I got a somewhat of a let's say complex question, but maybe it's two parts. Uh oh. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to try to make it easy. I try to only speak in fifth grade words, um, but like That's the concept. Helpful. But here's the concept: is that I think there's a couple of things that you've said and shared um, that I haven't really uh, had someone on to at, talk about all both these things. It's one okay. you've got a, a vision and mission that you're doing God's work through your practice. Two. Sure you're charging $225. And I've had people come to me and say, basically, God wouldn't want me to cheat people out of their own money, you know, for physical therapy. And it's, it's not, I don't think that thought is about God or about money. It's this combination of value, right? But sure, absolutely. So one, I want to know a little bit more about what you guys said, how you're, how you're working, you know, like what, what your mission is, um, what you're doing. And I know that's, um, there's a lot of things you're doing that we haven't even discussed. And then how do you balance that with charging high prices, you know, to people um, and, and feeling totally fine about it? Like, I would love you to share something about that. Yeah. Thank you for asking that question. Um, so that is honestly a big mindset shift for us too. Mm -hmm. um, I gave away a lot of free care when I had my other practice. Um, what I've realized over time is the problem with that is when you give a lot of free care away and you don't have any recompense in return, um, you can't continue. Mm -hmm. So in order for us to be able to provide for our clients, provide for our families, have the time that allows us to continue to grow and maintain what we're doing, there has to be a value associated with that that makes it doable. Mm -hmm. So let's say I don't charge much per visit and I have to see more patients that way. So then we start getting back into the model that we were in before where I'm divided too much. My clients don't get good care. I have to sell physical therapy instead of their actual end result. I don't take home a pay, don't take home a paycheck for two years. That is not a sustainable practice model. Mm -hmm. And if I don't sustain this practice, and I don't sustain my family, we have to close and our clients don't get that care. Right. And they're left with the way the insurance-based practices work again, which again is why we did this too, because I didn't want to leave that as the only option and people to think that's all physical therapy was. Mm -hmm. So the other thing, and you talk about this a little bit in the ethical influence training, but as a, physical therapist, as a medical professional, but more importantly for me with my faith-based, if I know I have an answer that can help someone's problem, it is not okay for me to keep that to myself. It's my ethical obligation to offer them a service that helps them get better. Mm -hmm. And if I don't charge a particular rate, I won't be able to continue to do that. Now, some things we do offer because we don't refund on our packages, but let's say I have somebody who is a little more financially able. Okay. We'll say that than some others. And they buy a 10 or 12 visit, 15 visit package. And let's say, hallelujah, amen. We're even more effective than we thought. They're better in six visits. Okay. So we offer to allow them, number one, they can keep those visits forever. They never expire. Or they can give it to a friend or family member um, or three they can put it into what we call a pool of visits. 
And there are some clients that, and again, we don't accept everybody who comes in the door because we want them to really want to be here. Mm-hmm. We want to know that they're going to work for it. But we actually have a pool of visits that we can pull from other people who have donated a visit to some of those other clients. Yeah, awesome. So it allows us to be able to give to give that. The other thing um, that you've talked about a lot too is, you know, the more money you have, the more money, the more your money can matter. Mm-hmm. Um, so make more money so your money can matter more. And so we are very, very deep rooted in this community. So we have um, really four or five faith-based community organizations that we give back to. And that's either by, you know, giving a visit or it's by giving donations when they need it. It's by, um, you know, advertising for them on our social media page, attending events, getting other people to attend events. When we network, we don't just network for ourselves. We're networking for everybody in our family. We call Mm -hmm. it a family because it's what we are. Um, And then we have a couple of overseas missions that we work with. Um, we have a ministry called blessed by address where we bring prom dresses or whatever in and they go right back out. And so if we were not able to sustain this business monetarily, financially sound, all of that would go away too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So our reach, our reach for missions and for God would be much less if we devalued our services to the point of making us close or not able to continue. That's awesome. Thank you. That's important. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and I've Absolutely. had people, I don't know, maybe if you guys have, do, do you guys do a um, percentage of what you earn that you give away? Do you know, do you have it like, or maybe Caitlin has that and you're just like, oh, I have it in my head somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, things. <laughs> it's like, you know, things. Um, right? Yes. Is so, that like built in? So like, we, do you have like a percentage of what we earn is built in to give away and donate? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Um and then the other thing we do um, is we also, again, we're very vocal about the fact that we're mission-based and we're mm-hmm. ministry-based. And so if a client comes in with a need, um, and let's say it's not a need that necessarily financially they can supply, mm-hmm. um, they can they can afford to come here for care because they're looking for their why and their result. But let's say they need something that they just can't get or they can't find. Yep. We have such a beautiful, incredible network in our community that usually we can help with that. So we got a queen size bed for a young girl who just moved in with her um, grandparents, um, the dresses, you know, things like that. We get food for people. We're involved with a lot of the different groups in the community. So, um, you know, that that's that's a beautiful thing, too. But we do it based off of a percentage, yes, of what mm-hmm. we bring in per month. Um, and yes, Caitlin has that. I don't. <laughs> um, like I said, it's like, you know, things. Um <laughs> People are like, what is, you know, what does this look like? I'm like, I looked at it three minutes ago. <laughs> Beats me. I know it yeah. was good or I know it wasn't so good. And we need to work on it. Right. Um, but, um, but yeah, so we have it kind of built in. We both picked organizations that either we both felt drawn to, mm-hmm. or there were a few that were specific for me or specific for her or specific to the community. Um, and so we do our best to make sure we disperse the funds the way that we yeah. feel like we're led to do. Yeah, that's really awesome. That's really great. Um, If you had uh, one piece of advice to people who are wanting to grow or scale their business or start over when they started, you know, in, you know, insurance, what, what would it be? What's the one lesson you've learned that you want to pass on to someone else? So the biggest lesson is um, when it gets hard, don't just give up. Mm -hmm. Um, There were so many times where we discussed taking insurance again or we discussed doing it a different way. 
But every time that we thought about turning that doorknob, we reminded ourselves as to why we were doing it this way. Um, so I guess that would be, I guess it's a two part thing. Number one is when it gets hard, don't give up. But number two, you need to make sure you have a solid why you're doing what you're doing. Um, and I talked about this at our mastermind retreat, but if you don't have the real deep reason for why you're doing what you're doing, mm-hmm. you're not going to continue when it gets hard. You're just going to say, ah, well, it's not that important. Let's just give up. So I totally agree with that. That I would be. That. Yeah, I see that all the time. That's one of the first questions on our applications of like, why is this important to you? It's like, oh, exactly. Even with the pay, with the patients or coaching clients, it's like, if you don't know why, you're not going to get up at 5 a.m. to do the work that's necessary. And that's exactly right. And that's you know, we we use a lot of that with our clients, and we sell packages mm-hmm. and things like that. That's another way that people decide to come here is because we try really hard before we ever make a pitch for the sale or for the the package. Number one, it shows that we really care. Mm -hmm. And that's another quote I love. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Um, But we want to know, why is this important to you? Why do you want to get better? Um, And if we can find that, our clients are much more likely to be invested and to see the value monetarily. But more than that, for us, they're more likely to actually make the lifestyle change to make that goal a reality, too. Yeah, yeah. That's so awesome. Very cool. Um, Megan, I could like ask you 20 more questions, but I know you and I both have <laughs> other things on our plate for the day. I do. Um, let's see if, if someone wants to reach out and uh, touch base with you, connect with you, what's the best place for them to find you? So we um, are very active with our Facebook page. Um, we don't do Instagram very much, honestly, mm-hmm. um, but we could either do Facebook, which is Stinson and Voss um, Physical Therapy, we have a website, www.stensonandvosspt.com. It's a mouthful, but it was available whenever we started. <laughs> um, and then we, of course, we have um, email addresses, which you can find on our website. And then our phone number, 423-225-2554. Okay, you sure you want people to blow up your phone, right? <laughs> I don't mind. Hey, I'm, I'm all about helping others and teaching people. Yeah. And there's a great thing with Google Voice. You can actually turn it off and it goes to voicemail for a little nice. while. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Yeah. We'll have all the, all those details in the, in the show notes, or you can press the back button for 10 seconds, three times to get on the, um, on the, on iTunes. Um, this is really great. And you're speaking at PT BizCon coming up in a few weeks. So, um, do you, yeah. Do you have a, a couple teasers about what you're going to talk about? Well, you heard some of it here. Um, one of the things that, uh, you and I had discussed was talking about saying in your zone of genius mm-hmm. and um, we're going to talk about where we've been. So that's insurance based first, where we were um, when we started the cash practice, which was not doing great to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Um, it's a big learning curve for us, but the community as well. Yeah. Um, and then where we are now after the platinum mastermind and really, really focusing and keying in on working where we work best. Yeah. That's awesome. So, and you had to run in with the mayor of your town? In <laughs> yes. I saw that yes. in the group today. Yeah, we had a city county event today, so I got to sit next to the mayor. I felt really special for a minute. <laughs> That's awesome. And how many people, I was going to ask this before, how many people live in Newport? I do not. Ask Caitlin. Okay. <laughs> it's not very big. <laughs> it's not. It's not very big. And and honestly, the socioeconomic yeah. status here is not great either. Yeah. Um, 
but again, it all comes down to people's priorities and their right. why. And if they really want to be here, they'll make it work. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and if know, they I, don't yeah. want to make it work, they're not our client. So yeah. a lot of people say to me, oh, my town's too small or people here aren't rich and wealthy. And I'm like, it doesn't matter, but they don't believe me, you know? And I'm, I mean, it's, you know, hopefully they hear enough people like you doing it, you know, that they're like, oh, I can do it in my town because it is really a matter of priorities. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I had a lady that came in after a total hip replacement. She'd been to several of the places here in town that did the way that we talked about. Mm -hmm. um, and she and her husband had an old car that had just been sitting there. They sold a car so she could get care for her hip here instead of someplace wow. else. Wow. That's so, amazing. I mean, I'm not recommending everybody go sell your car to come see me, you know, <laughs> but again, it comes down to what their priorities are. Right. Right. That's awesome. So, Dude, you're doing some great work. I'm I'm proud well, of you, you guys. And um, I'm super like honored to have you guys as like clients and have you speak at PT BizCon <laughs> oh, and as you. a guest. I mean, this is well, just great. Awesome. So, and this is the well, highlight of you. my day getting to chat with you. That's why I told you, I was like, I'm sitting around waiting because I want to, you know, talk to you and um, share what you're doing with well, everybody. Thank you. So this is awesome. I appreciate it. Well, the more we can do to help everybody else out there change their life and still bring home a paycheck, mm -hmm. I'm all for it. Awesome. Awesome. Yep. Well, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to having you join us at PT BizCon. Um, let me see if I can get back to the Aaron LeBauer <laughs> on the screen. Um, so if you guys are interested, you know, check out PT BizCon. It's ptbizcon.com. If you're listening to this after the event, um, you know, maybe we'll do it next year. Maybe there's a replay. I don't really know at this point. Um, but uh, make sure that uh, you know your why. Um, if, and you find, uh, you figure out how to get into your zone of genius. Um, Megan's going to talk a little bit more about that at the event. Um, and just get out there and don't quit. Keep going. And we'll see you on the next show. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to the show. Whenever you're ready, here are three ways I can help you grow your physical therapy business. Number one, grab a free copy of my book. It's the roadmap to launch, grow, and scale your physical therapy business. Just go to cashptblueprintbook.com. That's cashptblueprintbook.com. Just cover shipping and we'll send out to you ASAP. Number two, join our Cash PT Blueprint case study program. We're putting together a new coaching case study program this month. And if you'd like to work with me to launch a six-figure cash practice in just 90 days, send me a message over on Instagram. Find me at Aaron LeBauer on Instagram and send me a message with just the words blueprint and we'll get back to you with all the details. Or number three, if you're an established PT business owner and you want to work directly with me and my team to take your business to multiple six and seven figures, just send me a message over on Instagram with the word private. And I'll get back to you with the details about that program too. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week on the Cash PT Lunch Hour podcast.